Thanks for tuning in to Small Big Wings, a window to the world of young, ambitious problem solvers. They are makers, designers, builders, hackers, scientists who heard their inner voice and amplified it. To learn more about our guest and to view the highlights of this episode, head on over to fbw.hvj.coach. On the show today is Simmer Singh, Simmer 19, has his own company called Unerase, which he set up when he was 16. Unerase is stage for spoken word poetry. Simmer has found his voice in poetry and performance and wants Unerase to be the voice for many, many more. As I studied Simmer, I found someone who has had many individualized actions, a distinctive approach and behavior, and not only his skin, but his flesh and bones all in the game in entirety. A man of very high conviction. There is a decent amount of information one can get about Simmer from his own YouTube channel, Unerase Poetry. Today, let's see what more we can learn from him, what more we can draw from him, and what makes Simmer what he is. Simmer, welcome to the show. Thank you. And great to have you here. Same here. Thank you for having me. I cannot think of starting with you in any other way but to know from you what is your favorite spoken word poetry or your favorite verse. I don't have like one favorite piece or sure. a favorite, favorite verse. I'm a huge fan of a lot of spoken word artists, one of them being Andrea Gibson. And I've been following their work for a very long time. This is one spoken word artist in the US who releases their poems like albums, like uh-huh. the way musicians release albums. So yeah, the recent album Hey Galaxy is something that I've been listening to and it has some great poetry in it because they infuse uh, music with spoken word. Uh, so yeah, that's one artist that I've I've been really inspired by. But any particular lines, words, verses which kind of always resonate with you? Um, I'm not sure about resonating, but there's one particular verse by a African poet called Warson Shire. She has a book called Teaching My Mother How to Give Birth. And the first poem in that book is, is I have my mother's eyes and my father's mouth. My face is the only place where they are still together. So that's like very strong and it's probably the shortest poem in the book or yeah. generally. But it's, uh, it's something that stayed with me for a long time because yeah. it's very hard hitting. And the truth. Yeah. The truth said in very, very few words. Any specific Hindi favorite for you? Be it a song? So one song that I really love is Tu Kisi Rail Si Guzarti Hai. So it's a song from the movie Masan. It was originally a poem by a old poet, like classic Hindi poet, Dushant Kumar, who used to write a lot of ghazals. So one of his ghazals has this line, ke, Tu Kisi Rail Si Guzarti Hai, Main Kisi Pul Sa Thar Tharata Hoon. And I feel that as a thought is very beautiful. And then it, they've used a rendition written more by Varun Grover, who is also one of my favorite lyricists in India right now. He's written uh, lyrics for Aankho Dekhi and uh, Masan. He's written Sacred Games as well. So yeah, his work. And apart from that, there's another poet called Ramnik Singh. He has a lot of poems that I really like. So one of his poems uh, is a poem called Mere Kavi Dost where he's asking, you know, fellow poets uh, in society with him to stand up and speak. So in that one one line that always touches me, especially with what's happening in the country right now is, uh, So, yeah. Why? It's a beautiful love song, you know, and I think just the thought of it that someone's passing like a train and yeah. that that effect on you. The the imagery is very beautiful first and secondly, it's very fresh. Mm-hmm. It's not like uh, a lot because a lot of classical poetry that we're taught in school has a lot of overused metaphors, I feel. Like uh, you like a flower or you like the ocean, but something as simple as you like a train and I'm like the tracks beneath you is a very simple observation and that's what makes it beautiful for me. Fantastic. Yeah. 
you know i have had my long time favorite my one of my favorite hindi songs is ye kaun chitrakar hai mm. if you have ever heard okay, it from yes yes in film of called bunjo mm. ban gaya moti great so anirav is the stage you have created for poetry tell us how you thought of this name anirav what does it signify it's it's unconventional mm. it's deep it's powerful but uh, tell us what's your meaning for it um actually when i came up with the name i didn't know i was going to uh, start a poetry platform it was uh, a page i had started in high school uh, when i was 15 to just write uh, micro fiction and i wanted a name so i don't even remember how i came up with anire is it was just a thought i had uh, but two years later when i started the poetry platform i was looking for a name for it and that's when i realized i had a page uh, with this name so probably yeah. it could be called anire's poetry and i could use that and uh, so i was actually if you look at it as a platform i was being lazy because i couldn't think of a better name but uh, eventually i think the meaning came across by other people more than me thinking about it like it's something that cannot be erased or something that is essential that has to be written and and since a lot of our work is around social issues and things that impact society so something that you know will stay on forever things like that so i'm still not sure what anirez actually means as a word but as a as a symbol it's it's important to me in terms of you know like a symbol for me to keep creating or to keep saying things that are important so it's in a way kind of great serendipity yeah yeah hmm so what are the stats like for anirev today if you if something is on top of your head for number of performances number of performers number of views which this platform has received so far uh we worked with around uh, say 70 artists in okay. the past 2 years all over the country mm-hmm. and uh, number of performances i'm not quite sure we might have done more than 100 performances mm-hmm. in terms of digital presence it's been great so we have a youtube channel that's primary which has around 40 45 million views and uh, the facebook page would have another 30 35 million views also what happens with a lot of our content like spoken word or performance content is that a lot of other pages also pick it up and promote it on their own pages so those are views that are not accounted for and uh, so i'm not really sure in terms of numbers but in terms of like a digital fixed audience we have around i think 8 and a half lakh subscribers okay. on youtube channel close to a million now hopefully in yeah. the next few yeah. months so yeah. like that's one uh, like loyal following that we have who will come and watch videos that we upload and you feel good about that of course because when i started the page i had no idea how this works mm-hmm. and i used to look up to a lot of youtubers who had these number of subscribers uh, and i never thought i could ever be like one of those people so also for me starting the the page was less about the numbers more about giving back to the community and doing something for these artists that i've been working with so yeah so th- this is more of an add on it still remains like secondary for me you know i mean in terms of business i i think i've started giving some importance to numbers initially i gave zero but now i've focused on this bit but i think for me the primary has always been the art scene and the community and how to build that up so what is one of the times when you know someone has called you or someone has commented that oh wow and you have felt great about it because mm-hmm. it came from that person i think uh, one of the most motivating compliments that you can get is from your peers mm-hmm. because you expect audiences to like your work and right. people around you like your friends and family who like poetry but are not poets to enjoy your work but for someone who does what you're doing to tell you that they liked it like i think for me yesterday only i was working on on this song right. and uh one of my friends who is a hindi poet and i had written in hindi for the first time she asked she told me that she really liked what i wrote 
so for me that meant a lot because uh as artists i personally feel i am loaded in self doubt all the time so even if i have a piece that has done great online and people have loved it unless my peers don't give me a sense of approval it still feels like it's it's very mediocre work because uh, they are people that i look up to and i work with regularly and and i i am inspired by their work so for someone like that to tell me that my work has moved them also i have this piece called blackboard so i have a i've seen that yeah so i have a few few poets uh, who generally tell me on my face that i have a long way to go and i have a lot of work to do on my craft but that's one piece that you know someone like ramnik uh, who i've looked up to has said that it's one of your best pieces and stuff like that so i think those are very important those compliments for me so <clears throat> Fever, you just said that there is a lot of self-doubt, but for many people around you, many people who know you maybe from a distance, you may look very sorted because they know where you are going, or at least they know that you know where you are going or what you are set out to do. So on one hand there is this sortedness, and on the other hand there is the self-doubt. How do you bring it together? actually it's tough you know because i think usually on most days it's the self doubt that takes over you and but it it helps you when you're writing because it just makes you want to write better so in the past say 3 months i've not written much but whenever i have i have been extremely critical of it so I, so i've realized later that being critical while writing has made me write better because in a way i've sort of like been there saying that this is not going to work so i'm pushing myself to do better but then there are days uh, when you're not writing and not really going out and performing is when self doubt gets the better of you because everyone around you is doing so well and i think that's one thing is artists or i think generally even when you're doing a business when say you have a certain idea that you really want to do and some other the same uh, company in the same ecosystem does the same thing so and maybe better than what you could have done because they had more resources or better time and stuff like that so that's also a place where i faced self doubt thinking that my idea was not good enough or my uh, execution is not good enough because i couldn't do something on time before someone else but i think the only way to push myself on these times is just looking back at what has been done and i've realized a lot of great things that end up happening are not out of intention they always happen as a coincidence like anirez was a coincidence for me even the first few videos going viral were coincidences and some of our biggest shows or my best performances have been coincidences where i have not expected anything and that's when i've been the most surprised by the outcome so for me i think uh, when i go out to do something with a motive that is more disheartening right. than me just going out and doing it for a cause do you want to call them coincidences or do you think there's a deeper design i mean definitely there's a lot of science to it if you go right. go down and look at it it's your free will or your uh, conscience that is pushing you to do things but i also feel it is a lot of other factors that just fall in place together you know just meeting certain people right. like today we met i don't know few years down the line we may have a different relationship work on something else together right uh, swastika uh, is someone i met at uh, jaipur literature festival and uh, she was working there and we had a brief one minute conversation but we ended up speaking on call for a long time and i realized that we have a lot in common and then we met uh, quite a number of times and she ended up performing with Anirez then but probably if that day at JLF I wasn't there at the right time at the right place we would have never met she would have never performed with Anirez and uh, again she is one poet uh, at least in my peers that I really look up to because she's talking about a lot of things that I have always thought why is nobody talking about but I wouldn't have known of her existence because of a certain moment so there is a huge coincidence that's played a factor but i know it is also my conscience that has helped me be there at jlf but meeting her was nowhere uh, in my hands 
Yes, and just uh, to set the record straight for our audience, Fastika is my lovely daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a poet. <laughs> Very talented poet. And... Yeah. Yes. So, Simar, uh, you know, when I was growing up, we had this Time magazine coming home. And on one page of the Time magazine, almost on every issue, I saw these two beautiful lines. And it said anonymous. Of all those arts in which the wise excel, nature's chief masterpiece is writing well. How does writing come? Now you said that for the last three months, you have hardly written anything. Or when you write, you become very critical. So is writing something for you that you just sit down and write? Or it's really some chemistry coming together and then it happens? So there are two ways to go about it. Uh, and it totally depends on your mindset. One that happens mostly with poets is uh, things coming together. Uh, say I experience something today and I feel this is something I want to write about. I might pen down a few lines. I might right. just keep it in my mind. Uh, I will experience something similar a few months later and then something similar a few weeks later. And then keeps building up. And then say six months after the original experience, it's reached that stage where I'm like, I can't do anything but I ha- but to write about this. And then I end up writing about it. What happens a lot of times is in that I start writing about something, it ends up turning out to be some completely different. So my original experience is completely diluted by the time the end product is there. But that is just how I think sometimes some of the best poems come out. The other is a discipline. If you look at art as a discipline and poetry is a part of it, then I know a lot of screenwriters do this where they tell themselves that till evening five o'clock, these seven hours is our writing time. So we'll just sit and write. Wow. So, you know, you may end up writing three or four scripts in a week, which could be say 10 in a month. But out of those, only one would be good, nine would be really, really bad. But that's how they get the one good script. So I know a lot of writers following writing as a discipline, but personally I've never really been able to do that on a regular basis. Uh, there is a very interesting uh, activity that happens in the month of April, it's called Napo. So you basically have to write one poem a day in April. I, I did that last year. So over there, I had to practice it as a discipline because I have to write one poem every day. So I have given myself these two hours every day to sit down and write. Uh, but apart from that, if I'm not taking up a challenge, I think it's always uh, poetry coming to me organically rather than you going and finding poetry. So, so can it be said that for poetry coming organically or when you connect all the dots which are building up over a period of time for matters of the heart it mm. is more like that yeah definitely if if uh, it's something that you again generally feel or you yeah. experience or it yeah. touches you yeah. uh, it takes time to build that but say if tomorrow a company comes and tells me that hey we want to talk about uh, gender issues and we'll give you this much money I do feel about that as well, right? but I have to write this now because they want me to, right. not because it's come to me. Yeah. So I have to, you also have to fake it a lot of times, but sometimes great poems come out of that yeah. also. Yeah. So there's no way to know what is the best method. Yeah. On this, I just remember, you know, I am a great fan of Madhushala by Harivan Bachchan. And the foreword in Madhushala, I forget who's written that, but he describes it very well. So I think, you know, yourself and the, the whole kind of people you're bringing together with Anirev, what I feel so far at least is that it all heart-oriented people who are coming together. Definitely, because uh, at least with, with spoken word and making videos of it and poetry, I've realized it's, again, even if you're doing it, for say a company it has to come from the heart and it's all about honesty so if i don't feel it then even the audience will not feel it and that's it's as it's as simple as that so yeah that's something i try to stay true to as much as possible so if you did theater at five yeah. spoken word at nine first crush at 11 <laughs> found anirev at 16 you are 19 today 
I have heard that when you were younger, you had to write a beef of something in a diary which was given by your mother. What is behind that? How much of that is where you are today? I think that's something that set the base for me because uh, if my mother had not pushed me to write when I was uh, eight, nine years old, I wouldn't have picked up a pen and started writing myself uh, because my peers in that age in middle school yes. were also maybe creative, but they never had that push to be creative or they were not asked to be creative by their parents or teachers. So they let it be on the side and they focused on academics. Meanwhile, for me, my mother always uh, sort of pushed me towards the creative side as much as possible with theater and with writing. So academics became like a very secondary thing and it, it always was like that. So if that would not have happened, uh, then probably I don't know where I would have been right now. Yeah. But what if, what if her story? Why, why did that happen? Uh, well, so my mother started performing theatre herself okay. when she was around 14, 15 at a very young age and she did her first international tour of Europe with her theatre group around 17, 18. So I think by the time uh, that she was my age, like I'm 19 right now, she had already performed uh, in major countries of the world and, uh, you know, performed for big audiences and been on stage a few hundred times so uh, for her uh, the stage was her second home and uh, I've seen like while growing up also she did theater when I was growing up so I saw her attachment to stage and I it was it's very different right because one parent like my dad is an engineer right. going to an office and coming back and but there's no sense of attachment again it. He is doing something just uh, because it is paying off the bills right now and he needs to take care of a family. Not sure if that's something that he want, is into 100%. Mm-hmm. But with my mother every time she's back from a play or something, there's a sense of deep attachment. And uh, I think that also forms a very major part of your personality when you're someone who's so attached to stage or is a part of a performance, like life performance art form. Uh, it it really changes the way you look at life. So I saw those changes and I realized that, you know, this is something that is that seems more fun and seems more me. So that's something that pulled me towards that. So with my mother, her story is again theater and then she got into films and she's been acting now. Recently, she's produced uh, a few short films and she has been working on her writing. She's also a poet. She has a couple of videos on Anirez as well. A lot of my skills are something that I have garnered from her experiences. And for her as a child, when she went into theatre, was it also by your grandparents then? Or it was more of her, which, if you, if you know that. I I mean, I have been told a lot of stories from <laughs> both sides. I don't know which one's right. I, one fact for sure is my grandparents didn't push her because they grew up in Chandigarh, which right. back then was still a very small town and pretty conservative. So for two girls, mm. so my mom and her sister were both doing theatre together. Right. For two girls and the only daughters in a house mm. to, you know, stay out for rehearsals till 12 in the night in a town like Chandigarh was unheard of because everyone else did not have that kind of a liberty in their house. Uh, but my grandparents, uh, I think even till date, are much more progressive in a certain sense where they realize that if uh, theater is their calling, then it's important for them to follow that. And right now they've both done pretty good for themselves in the fields. My aunt, she's a national theater director. She has a theater group. They've done plays, you know, everywhere and she's worked on uh, crazy social issues that's a conversation for some other day but my mom has also through theater explored cinema and reached some great feats through her acting and i think a lot of credit goes to my grandparents for being you know that liberal letting them pursue things that they could have shunned off at a young age i think that support is very important you know even if like my mom actually pushed me to write but 
you know just as a parent if i i chose to write and as a parent she told me uh that you know i support what you're doing and or or uh, complimented my writing that would have also been a you know great push right so yeah so actually you know the way you describe this there is a lot of unerase before your unerase <laughs> yeah that's an interesting way to put that yeah you know probably set in motion by your grandparents no definitely and who knows it's been their parents yeah. this this whole butterfly effect yeah, it works in such a wonderful way and it shows the interconnectedness or the connectedness which we all hmm. not only in the family but when you look at the larger picture we all have with each other today right. many of us deny it hmm. or are in denial mode but that's the truth no definitely and i agree it's a butterfly effect at least in our family because i just realized so my mom's side of the family were all artists so my uh, grandfather her sister uh, her brother they were all poets painters writers so i think uh, somewhere or the other we're not that different like yeah. it's it's the same genes that we're carrying you said before a while that for mom stage had become the second home for you femmer if stage the first home i think so yes because uh, the idea of home is somewhere where you're the most comfortable and probably when i want to relax my home is the most comfortable because it has a bed <laughs> but when i want to be myself i don't think there's any other place other than the stage where where i've felt that comfortable or that myself and i think that's merely because uh, i've been on the stage since a very young age like mm. again i did theater at 5 only because my mom was doing theater and she wanted me to join children's theater so that has played a huge role okay. yeah similar so much of your work so much of the poets you have in association with anirav on your platform is about patriarchy is about misogyny what is behind that is it that because as a country there is a lot of social stigma around this there have been a lot of problems around this matter is it because of that or is there something more to this um i think it it all started with our first show the mm-hmm. first anire show was a women's day special yes because it was happening on uh, like one day before women's day so we thought it would be a good idea to start the thing the platform with a women's day special we had a lot of poets talk about it and um, so first few poems that went out were around gender issues and uh, surprisingly uh, when they went out uh, i realized that you know even though i feel living in india that india is very backward uh, yeah. after a few poems we realized it's all over the world like yes. sexism is yeah. or misogyny something that's like a, a social setup like yeah. it's a part of every society and speaking to a lot of international journalists just that made me realize how big an issue it is in even like first world countries as compared to in india and that made me thinking and talking to a lot of just female poets or poets of different genders who are not males i realized that it has been my privilege as a male to not feel the sexism or misogyny around me even though i may have participated in it as a young adult for a while but because it's become a norm so so that really opened my eyes that's something that really touched me personally and so my first poem that went out was on marital rape and then after that also two three of my poems have been around uh, gender based issues because it's it's just deeply like personally been uh, sort of a battle for me also to fight in the environment around me and what happens with poems is we feel you know once a poem starts a conversation and then people are talking about it and then generally you know say something happens in the country that is good for gender rights we feel like okay as a society we're progressing and then a few days later another news comes which is you know, not good and you realize that uh, we still have such a long way to go so for me like talking about gender rights or gender disparity something that would go on for a very long time and that's why anirav also has a lot of 
that that kind of videos and poems because that personally affects me a lot so in a way i feel like it's my moral responsibility to keep talking about uh, gender issues and and after your first one i think the brown girl's guide to gender happened yes so was it again a coincidence that it happened after that or you thought something of that kind to happen i had no idea so brown girls uh, guide to gender was a second video yes and it was released just 4 5 days after the show uh and over here also weirdly uh, my mother had to play a role okay. because when i was sitting down and so i had no money back then the entire show happened for free i knew how to edit because i used to make like short films in school and edit them so all the videos that were short were being edited by me so i was going through the footage and thinking of what we should release around women's day and i was planning to go ahead with some other poem but my mother told me that that brown girls poem by aranya was the yeah. most touching poem of that show and every woman in the audience was crying and i was very surprised to know that because for me that poem was good but i've heard like i've heard aranya before because she's been a friend so i i always thought that aranya has much better poems so maybe she can work on this you know uh, but my mom said uh, no every woman in the audience was crying it had a deep effect on everyone and that's where i realized also this weird privilege thing because i didn't notice anyone else crying you know i didn't notice how people were reacting to it i just remember the performance remember it being very strong but i never really thought you know that's a poem that's going to move people that much and that's what i felt and uh, it's crazy how my mother understood the soul of that poem she asked me you know you have to put it out and i edited it and it just went out the next day or the day after that and just a few hours later i started getting calls and messages and that was very surprising for me because the first poem had some 10000 views in a week yes and this poem ended up getting a few lakhs in just a few hours and that was actually my first reaction was scared because i was very scared i had no idea how to deal with it Mm-hmm. so i ended up uh, switching my phone off and going for a movie with a friend so for a few while i was just completely cut off from what's happening and by the time i switched on my phone it was all over the news and it got picked up by some german uh, page so then it started getting circulated in international media and then few days later aranya and i are doing all these interviews for spanish and german <clears throat> and french news channels and uh, i think it was it was then that's when we realized how powerful poetry can be as a medium yes and particularly when it when it touches a chord with many people who are quiet yes. who are not speaking anything about it who are just facing it silently yeah and i think that is what uh, the brown girls guide did definitely uh, i think this is something that we we go through all our lives like we we experience something we feel it and we we just never end up talking about it and this is what that poem did it spoke about that one thing that had to be spoken about and if you listen to the poem it's very indian she's talking about indian issues she's yes. talking about uh, the nirbhaya case she's talking yes. about acid attack victims she's talking about marital rape which is also very prevalent in india but somehow it became you know a global voice which is which was very surprising now i do understand various factors but uh, that just makes us realize no matter how much we see each other differently with the purview of caste or race or color or religion end of the day you know the fundamentals of all of us are very similar so the issues we face are the same and uh, the things we care about are also very very similar i i really liked what you said about this privilege part mm-hmm. and you touched upon it twice i would like to ask you what has your work taught you that other people don't realize it's a lot of things right being an artist just opens your perspective up around the world in a lot of different ways because when you're writing one of the only emotions that drives you is empathy so you have to look at everything in an empathetic way so even when i'm writing an angry poem say about something that i'm really infuriated about that's happening i still have to keep empathy 
to make sure that i am sensitive about it and i don't trivialize it and um, i think that's where art has played a huge role or poetry has played a huge role where uh, i don't know about other people but just say my friends from school or college um, i feel a lot of them strive uh, to not be sensitive and uh, mm-hmm. because we associate uh, being sensitive with being weak and you know especially with boys uh, being weak is you know considered not a great thing so i've seen a lot of my male friends even though they're sensitive people because of the society around them they strive to not be that sensitive because they don't want to be seen as weak with art i have become very comfortable with that side of me so even if you know uh, people might think that i'm a weak or a very overly sensitive person i've also understood how to distance myself from those people and be comfortable being in that space and also being very fluid with uh, the idea of gender and sexuality that's something that i was very uh, ignorant about uh, before poetry and with poetry i've had the opportunity of meeting people from different genders uh, people with different sexual orientations and i have learned a lot about my own body and my own inner self which uh, which is very liberating you know but because of you know the the boxes that society puts us in generally we never tend to explore that so i'm i'm grateful for art for that as well who will hate you fibber or who will hate what you are doing i think a lot of people hate me yeah 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 i get a lot of hate if not only online like even offline mm-hmm. but i think it's uh, one it's a part of the process right. second it's uh, now it's at a point where it's fun uh it affected me quite a lot mentally uh especially with online trolling and uh, you know the entire calling out culture but right now i think i'm in a space where i'm not that secure with my work but i have a sense of self esteem where i i understand i can filter it out but if say someone very close to me hates on me you know say one of my closest poet friends starts hating on me then i would have no idea how to deal with it there are definitely a lot of people who hate me and a lot of people who i look up to but are not very fond of me and that's completely okay because sometimes wavelengths don't match and you start off at the wrong foot and people have a very different perspective of what poetry should be so i've gotten this a lot that you know my work does not fit in you know the classical criteria of poetry or it's you know very mediocre spoken word poetry and you know a lot of those claims are things that i accept and i very happily accept and i like moving forward with that fimber what impresses you most about yourself what have you kind of perfected i think i don't know there are not a lot of things about myself that uh i look up to or i'm impressed by mm-hmm. one thing that i'm definitely very surprised is uh just me trying to understand uh the business aspect or the economical aspect of art and what i'm doing because everyone around me is very caught up with craft with perfection with writing with skill uh while for me it's always been a double edged sword between that and making sure that there is money also pumping in in spoken word and how to you know grow on that and how to scale that up which that is a skill i never thought i had because my mom was always a pure artist my dad an engineer and i don't think anyone in my family has been a successful businessman anyone who's tried it has failed right. so for me that aspect of business was never like i never thought i had it until you know a few months ago when i realized that i'm getting a hang of it and i'm actually enjoying a lot of aspects of it as well that's fantastic so tell us what goes on behind the stage because that is what really makes the stage mm-hmm. what people like us are seeing only from the front there is technology probably you may have partners there are performers and then there are customers who you want to look out for and you want to bring to your fold So how does all this alchemy happen where do you struggle in implementing what is good for you what is not good for you in this space this usually depends from like a project to project like where is the struggle and what are the issues mm-hmm. uh 
say when we're doing a live show the initial issue is always getting the right content and curating it and i think that's one thing that i i personally like spending the most time in is curation of content uh so you know say if i want to have a show two months from now i start looking for poems two months before that okay and you know and then rehearsing with artists is the next step so we take sometimes a month sometimes more than a month to work on rehearsals perfecting performance working with music and a lot of those aspects so that's that's not exactly a challenge but it can become a challenge if there's a time constraint mm-hmm. uh sometimes getting an audience becomes a challenge you know like uh, there are a lot of poems on anirez if you go um, you might have seen some of the the more known stuff there are a lot of poems that don't have those many views like they've just seen my few thousand people but a lot of those poems are very important to me and i feel they're the the most strong poems that i have worked with but a lot of people have not had the opportunity to see it for multiple reasons you know and um, that still remains one major challenge for me to make the right poetry reach the right audience and uh, there are because there are some poets who don't write in people's language they're writing very niche stuff but right. their work is something that is so powerful that if if it's seen by someone who understands that it can have a deep impact so so always the accessibility bit of of poetry or art is something that i am most interested in and it still continues to be my biggest challenge making art accessible to people similarly you spoke about uh, empathy while writing how do you see relationships are you a relationship builder can you work with someone even if you don't relate to someone how did your how did your teacher see you in school how did your peer group in school see you because one thing is evident by what you have said by the work which i have seen of yours on your own channel by the kind of people you get associated is lot of feeling orientation lot of empathy lot of heart into everything mm. i feel with work it's important for me to relate with someone's work or even if i i don't relate with it for me to to have a certain amount of connection or interest in it because because otherwise it's very tough to go ahead and create a project with someone who whose work i don't believe in and that plays a major factor also in the people i end up working with because mm-hmm. there's some very great artists who i love mm-hmm. and some people who are very dear friends of mine mm-hmm. but we've not had the chance to work together because that sweet spot has not been met yet uh in terms of my relationship with my teachers i feel I had a different relationship in middle school i used to get good marks in school i was one of the few toppers in school all right who was also a part of other extracurricular activities so i enjoyed like being the favorite student for a few years but when i when i was entering high school i think that changed because i think there was a lot of angst in me against the system that started building up So I was very openly rebellious in school in high school for the last 4 years of my school life. So even though I've given a lot of tough times uh, to my school authorities, I've had a very supportive principal. Mm-hmm. So even though teachers around me have been very anti me or what I'm standing for, my principal has been very supportive. Uh but yeah, I think I've see, been seen as a very notorious kid generally. But, but did like teachers or parents or friends say that you know this guy is weird yeah, don't yeah. talk to him don't stay with him don't hang around with him yeah, yeah. that was the most common thing my friends got to hear like i remember this one particular coordinator in high school who used to hate me <laughs> and so i started making youtube videos when i was 13 or 14 and uh, i made this one video uh, where i was basically Uh, hating on her because of something she did to me like she was rude to me without any reason and it was 6 minute long video all right uh so she saw that and she called my parents obviously she asked me to shut down the channel delete the videos i didn't do any of that so the next thing she did is uh, she spoke to all my friends individually and asked them to stay away from me and bad mouthed me basically and uh, so even in parent teacher meetings she used to tell all other parents that keep your child away from this guy So I got very used to it but I think 
having such a supportive principal really complimented me you know like she's pushed me to do the work that i'm doing because i started on days in 11th grade and i was still in school and if she wouldn't have you know given me uh, the right push then then maybe i wouldn't have really been able to make something out of it because i had very bad attendance in my last year of school and that's mainly because i was very busy with anirais work but she always understood that i'll make up for that and i i don't know how i end up getting some good marks in these exams and all of that so even though like i remember uh, in school i had sociology as a subject and the teacher hated me a lot so i attended only one lecture of her in the entire year all right so my te- all my teachers were sure i was going to fail in sociology but i ended up scoring more than anyone else in our class oh wow so and the funny part was i didn't even study that well because uh, i got the sociology book just a week before my board exam because i realized i didn't have it because i never went for classes but i feel sociology is a subject again it's about empathy right you're talking about society you're talking about uh, you know the the issues that have existed in society and what are what's existing right now and you need to look at it with a very very sensitive approach and i think that's something that that helped me back then so i think art has played a huge role in forming relationships also with people because now I, my sociology teacher and i are in great like every time we meet we we make fun of each other but i really like her she's a great person if it wasn't for art probably i still would have you know had that memory of this very uh, strict teacher in school but right now that's a very different memory it's lovely to hear what you feel because simply the way you have lived has helped you score also and it's not really mugging or it's not really burning the midnight oil and uh, doing by heart kind of things and trying to see what what I should learn only for the purposes of scoring. Mm. I think that has not happened with you. Then no. that's really wonderful. How did your parents react to these friends or their parents when some issues came up? Uh I don't think this ever reached them, you know. Okay. Because yeah, I mean they 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 were always a part of it till the part where teachers were directly complaining about me. And that happened like in my high school I think for a few months. uh every month my mom used to get a call from school so firstly she used to get really mad but then eventually she also got used to it and she realized that maybe somewhere i'm not really the one making problems rather than just being myself and you know i think since she has been an artist since a young age she realized how the education system can sort of box people or cage people or you know sort of restrict artistic uh, expression so she was very supportive in those times i'm sure you will make anirav a commercial success but what is it that or you could do to help parents educators steer away their kids from rat race yeah or from becoming bots so that has been one of my most important or most significant to deal with because with anirav even though gender issue is something i've spoken about a lot on the page and i feel very strongly about i think if you boil up all the issues in society they can come down to education and if it educated the right way then a lot of these things can be eradicated so you know just something as simple as i studied in a co-ed school but for the longest time they made girls and boys sit separately so from a very young age the us and them thing starts where we you as a young boy you start looking at a girl differently and then uh, slowly slowly that builds up and it can become extremely problematic um but i feel if in school only i'm taught to be comfortable with the opposite sex and sensitized towards their issues as well then i wouldn't grow up to be that ignorant a person or someone who is misogynist from the inside so education remains my most important issue and i've been trying to work on it with various things but i feel like there's a very deep rooted problem that needs you know like there's a issue with the roots so no matter how much we try to beautify the tree above the roots are infected so the tree is going to get affected eventually so doing poetry writing about it performing about it doing talks about it are all great but you know uh, structurally that never 
is making any change in in education so there is a larger picture there there are things i want to do with anirais i feel the need to start something in the alternative education space but again that is very different from the art work i'm doing right now so i'm just waiting for the right time to work on that but that that is something that i am very very attached to but if you had the power what would be the first few things you would like to do to change this well i think main thing that needs to be changed first is the exam system the assessment system uh where i feel there's no way you can assess students through exams and uh, there's always this albert einstein quote that i always go back to where he says that the current education system is uh, like asking a fish to climb a tree because all these animals know how to climb a tree so it's right. asking a fish to climb a tree right. and uh, even though it'll spend so much time trying to learn it it will never be able to so it will spend half of its life telling itself that it's you know not good enough and that's how because our education system keeps everything in monochrome the good students or bad students toppers or or backbenchers but there is so much room in between and that gap has become so big that it's sort of like we pushed everyone to a corner so it's very important to get everyone in the middle and for them to sort of move around freely and that will only happen when the exam system is sort of eradicated the way it is and the assessment needs to be uh, needs to be done on a more individual basis so that's one thing that i would want to change in the education system well said let's talk a little bit about if you don't mind what is going on around us today and the full freedom of speech thing which is happening around us what do you think about freedom of speech in your own individual right in your exposure so far with different kind of people expressing views about things what do you think about freedom of speech see for a fact i know that freedom of speech is is something that has to be absolute in a democracy and if if we as a country fail to provide that to people then it just goes against the fundamental values of being a democracy however being an artist i also understand that that free speech comes with a major responsibility and that's that's in a idealistic world uh, it shouldn't be uh, a pressure like i shouldn't be pressured to not express something because i might offend someone but i feel that becomes the case sometimes in india because uh, there's so many groups there's so many sects of people and uh, as artists you try to be sensitive to as many of those as possible but idealistically that shouldn't be the case it should be absolute it should let people express however they want to whatever they want to and society should be as ready to take that and understand that and if it doesn't make sense to disregard it or not accept it but to hear it out because the moment we we're not ready to listen no that's when we we fail to accept our problems and that's what's happening in the country right now a lot of our problems are coming from the fact that we're not ready to listen to the other side or what the other person is trying to say and these major clashes that are happening in the country a lot of them are very ideological right the left fighting with the right but if we just boil down and try to understand the basic things that they are fighting for some of them are very egoistic i believe in something thus i am right and you believe in something thus you are wrong so if you don't let me be right like correct in my own way i won't let you and that's when true we end up fighting so i i personally feel free speech uh, plays a very important role over here and it has to be absolute it has to come with responsibility in society but it has to be absolute no matter mm-hmm. how much research you do there'll always be bits and parts that you leave out right or perspectives that won't align with yours uh in terms of getting facts correct again that's very important but what's been happening nowadays especially with media is you really don't know what are the right facts because a lot of news that we get comes not as facts but as opinions so by the time i am understanding a fact i have already formed an opinion and a va- already formed opinion is very tough to change it's what's come to me organically or so i believe that you know this is my opinion although it's influenced by everything else but me so in those cases to sort of you know tell someone to bow down or not speak 
it is what can cause a lot of backlash so it's so it's important to give that right to the person the responsibility is of both sides it's of the person speaking to be sensitive and that's all i feel you know if you're sensitive and honest with an opinion and if that's something you truly truly feel with then it ha- it should have space in society and as a society we should be sensitive enough to understand it say if someone is saying a wrong wrong opinion that t- tomorrow i go ahead go ahead and say that i don't accept the government like this may be the government that people have elected but for me this is not the government that is factually incorrect because it is still my government i'm still abiding by their rules and their laws but i come from a place of you know say angst or anger saying i don't accept them and society should have that sensitivity to understand that you know there are these factors why this person is saying so and there are measures that we need to take to improve or to work on this and if we don't agree with him then we disregard the opinion but to not let the opinion exist is a problem do you, you know? think a lot of our youth today are affected by groupthink of course and i don't think it's it's more it's our youth i think it's more of just the country okay because it's this is how social media has sort of tailored the world that we work on trends and whatever trends is something it becomes a norm and that's what i have noticed all over the world like you know politically if you look at the world the entire world is aligned towards the right whether it's the uk the us in pakistan a lot of other countries also and that just makes you realize that it's again a trend it's a norm that's a fashion that's been set and now things are shifting the other side and then that will also become a norm where maybe everyone's aligned left and then maybe everyone's aligned center and then maybe back to right and it's history repeating itself again and again you know this is these are patterns that have happened revolutions happen authoritative governments come back and then revolutions happen again so and then there are people on both sides of it uh the only problem right now in india is that uh, you have to pick a side you either have to be here or there you can't be silent and i i feel that is also very necessary because uh standing and witnessing violence or hatred occur in front of you and not saying about it is almost being complicit with it so it does become like a moral responsibility for a lot of people to take a side and a lot of them are not informed enough so it does it could become like a group thing right where everyone's uh over here yeah so it can either become very radical or it can become very like passive simar what if leadership to you and coming from business or running a company this is a question which we like asking ceos but i think leadership is there in every aspect every individual for you what is it um the idea of being a leader could be extremely of being someone who's extremely powerful and it could be something that that becomes extremely self centered but what a lot of leaders don't realize is that they are leaders because of people who who believe in them and the moment they forget of those forget about those people the people will not be with them anymore leadership will always be about taking people to the right direction and nurturing them and uh, as a curator i don't really look at myself as a leader per se but more of like a a sort of a peer or a, or maybe a, a mentor in a way where for me it's very important to push artists or you know help them get the best out of their work because uh i feel i have an eye to to sort of understand someone's potential but as an individual you may not realize that so i feel that work is something that that's very important to to push that person or nudge that person to the right space and that's more or less what leadership is we are coming to the end of this interaction i want to ask you that on the platform on anirave do you accept people only who are coming with original work yes that is key that is the most so important yes so guys i'm out then until <laughs> <laughs> i come up with something i'm sure you like <laughs> right so simmer here is what i would like to say in the end and uh, consider it from some of my experience or just someone who knows you a bit and it is from madhushala madhira le jane ko ghar se chalta hai peene wala 
किस पथ से जाऊं असमंजस में है वो भोला भाला अलग अलग पथु बतुलाते सब अलग अलग पथु बतलाते सब पर मैं ये बतलाता हूं राह पकड़ तू एक चला चल पा जाइएगा मधुशाला थैंक यू वेरी मच फिमर फॉर द इंटरक्शन टूडे इट हैज बीन अ प्लेजर टू इंटरक्ट थैंक यू